Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part one of our series, Overflow. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax, here it is. Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul and he guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Verse six, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I, someone say I, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to call our message, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Come on, can you guys take a seat this morning? Can we just give it up one more time for the Lord? Hey, I'm so glad that you could be here today, every single person. Uh, If you're new or visiting or just have no idea, my name is Harrison and just honored you could be here today. Uh, We are beginning a new season and a new series, and we are actually, which is crazy, entering in the last month of 2022. Anyone feel like this year just flew by? A few people? Uh, Crazy. So this is our last series, the last, again, like I said, season for our church of this year, which is so wild. Uh, My family, we uh, we just came off of an Another crazy season in our household, uh, the month of November. Very specifically, the first three weeks of November is a crazy season for our household. Uh, if you guys do not know this, uh, my current uh, family is me, my wife, uh, my son, Judah, and my twin girls. And every single person in my household outside of me is born in the first three weeks of November. So my wife, her birthday is November 2nd. My son, his birthday is November 7th, and the girls, our twin girls, are November 18th. And so the first three weeks of November are wicked and wild, and even add into that, my mom's birthday is in November, and my brother's. So, like, crazy. Now, um, I can't speak for, for anyone other than my own family, but I, like, we didn't plan it. We're not that organized, just kind of happened that way. And so uh, November, as you can imagine, kind of crazy with birthdays. It kind of seems like every day. Like every day we wake up and the girls are like, it's someone's birthday today. And I'm like, yes, it is. So crazy season, but I'm actually, it's kind of we're out of it now in our household. I'm thankful for it because like, as I said, and, and I'm sure you guys can relate, sometimes it just feels like life is going downhill fast. And, and I don't mean like, like my life's falling apart, but I mean like sometimes it just feels like I'm running downhill, like everything is just going so quickly. Right, like, and and again, like, I can't even believe it's about to be 2023 because, like, I sort of feel like it's still 2020, and it's just that's kind of how life goes. Because, like, I think although, like, maybe our weeks are different every once in a while, most of us, in some semblance, have have a level of routine in our life. And what happens with routine? Nothing wrong with it, but life can just begin to move quick, right? Like, it's it's Monday again, and and then it's it's the weekend again, and we just kind of go through this constant cycle. And so, I'm thankful for the first three weeks of November, for as crazy as it is, I'm thankful to have just a season where I can kind of just like at least remember for a moment the goodness of God in my life. And every single one of those birthdays is a reminder of the goodness and the blessing that God has given me in my life. And so I'm thankful for that season. And the reason that I kind of want to speak on that and share that is because I know it is true for a lot of us that life just goes quickly. And so I can't make y'all have three kids in like two weeks. I don't even know how it happened in my household. But what I can do is I can help us, I hope, kind of at least begin to slow down and understand what God is doing in your life as well. And so we have a tradition in, in our church, and I know for a lot of us, uh, this is, is going to be a new tradition. For some of us, you, you've been here from the very beginning, but we finish every single year in our church uh, with a series. It's a year-end series, and we always call it a faith series. 
And the reason we call it a faith series, because what we do in this series is, is twofold. Number one, we look back at the faithfulness of God. We slow down, we look back and we remember and we look at all of the crazy and amazing things that God has done in our church, in our lives over the last year, over the last 365. And, and we look back at the faithfulness of God because I truly believe that it is only by looking and understanding the faithfulness of God in the past that we can have faith for the future. And so that's one part of the series which is the faithfulness of God. But the other part of our series, which is really the faith aspect of it, is that we finish every single series with what we call a year-end offering. And the reason we take this offering is because we say that for us as a church, it is a moment where we step out in faith, believing that when we give something, God will do something in return in the next year of our lives. And so for the last four years... We have taken a year-end offering, and it has been a great symbol, I think, of faith for us as a church just to see all that God does when we as his people step out and do more than we even think is comfortable sometimes. And so one of the things that we do, which, as I said, is crazy for me to think this is year-end number five for our church. Just wild, right? Time just goes by. You can clap your hands if you love Jesus. Five years that... We've seen God's faithfulness. And so one of the things that we do in order to remember uh, just the season that, that God has us in, the particular year, is that we name these series and we name these offerings. And every single offering is a, is a, is a monument to what God called us forward to as we gave in that particular year. And so I kind of always just come to the Lord and I'm just like, God, what, like, what's the word? What, what do you have for us? And as I was reflecting on this last year, I just began to realize, like, man, like, God has just done amazing things in this house. Like, just, just number one, that we, like, actually have our own house, right? It's just amazing. And just the faithfulness of God and just so many people finding faith, finding hope. And just, I know a lot of you guys, like, just beginning to find a home in this place. And just God, I feel, has done so much. And I'm like, God, like, what, what do you want to do, like, moving forward? in a year where you've always done or where you've already done so much. And I just felt God say, more. Like, I, I just want to do more. Because I just think that's the God that we serve, that we don't go to finish lines, we don't go to destinations, but God moves us from faith to faith, from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And I just believe that God in 2023 is going to do more. And you need to understand, y'all, like we can get excited for what the Lord is about to do. I need someone to wake up in this place this morning. Let's go, Audrey. You, the Lord is going to do more. And so I just felt like kind of like, okay, that's what, what God gave me. Like what's, what, what's the, the name of this series going to be? And the word that I stuck on and the word that uh, we're, we're going to go with for the next four weeks is, is overflow. It's overflow. I just feel like the Lord wants to overflow in our lives. And so on December 18th, you can write this down and put it in your head, we are going to take our overflow offering where we come together in faith and we believe that God is going to do more in our lives. And so I just believe this to be true. The mark of a believer, the mark of a follower of Jesus is that your life will be a constant and continual overflow. And I know for some of us in this room, we feel that. And for those of us in the room that feel that, those are the ones of us that should be making noise and clapping our hands and saying, man, I have felt the overflow. I have felt the faithfulness of Jesus. But I understand for some of us, it's like, Harrison, I don't necessarily feel like my life is in overflow right now. In fact, for some of us, we may feel like we're on empty. And so as we start this series and as we go into this season of overflow, what I want to do is I want to show us two things today. Number one, what does it look like when my life is in overflow? And number two, how do I get there? Can we do that today? Yeah. Psalm 23 is where we're going to be. 
And uh, I read it off the top, but I'll give a little context just for those of you guys that maybe uh, you've heard of this psalm because it's very famous, but you don't know the context of it. Uh, There's a man named David in the Old Testament. And David, if you know his story, uh, he was a shepherd. And God kind of calls him and, and does some amazing things in his life. And he, becomes, he starts as a shepherd, but he ends as a king. And David, like if you've heard his story, David and Goliath, bunch of highlights, but I really believe that David is a picture of what it looks like to live in the overflow and what it looks like when God is, is leading your life. And so David was the, is the author of this psalm, Psalm 23, this famous psalm. And David, who again, this is important, was a shepherd, is now king. Most people believe he wrote this as he was the king. This is what he says in Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I want us to understand this because it is a very rich metaphor that David is using here. Because what it does is it places God in a position, but it also places us in a position as well. When David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what David is saying, understand this, who is king at this time, what he is saying is that if the Lord is my shepherd, that makes me a sheep. And I want us to understand this because this metaphor is not just for David, it's for all of us today in this room. The Lord is my shepherd. I am a sheep. Now, I want us to understand what this metaphor means because I said it is rich. And David, again, who was a shepherd, he would know firsthand exactly what a shepherd does. And so when I can almost imagine under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, as David is trying to picture, like, what, what word should I use to describe God? He's racking his brain, and what he lands on is this idea, the best way to describe the God, the king of the universe. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Why? And what does a shepherd do? Well, I believe that David lands on this because the shepherd is his most accurate description of what God is like. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so what does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for his sheep. A shepherd tends for his sheep. A shepherd is the, the guider of his sheep, the corrector of his sheep. He calls his sheep. He tends his sheep. He loves his sheep. All of these descriptive words for what a shepherd thinks and feels towards his sheep, God uses towards God. But here is the part of the metaphor I love the most and why I want us to to really hone in on this and understand what it means. Because there are lots of other words that David could have used to describe a God that cares for, protects, provides. But I think one of the reasons he lands on shepherd is because a shepherd is not a high position. And it seems kind of like an oxymoron because, like, God is king of the universe. He is high. Why would, why, why would David use a word that is lowly? But I think that it aptly describes Jesus because what the king of the universe would, was willing to do, much like a shepherd, is he was willing to go to low places. He was willing to go to the dirty places. And more than anything, the reason that God goes to low places, dirty places, un, unspeakable places, is because that's where the sheep go sometimes. How many of y'all know that sheep are dumb sometimes? That sheep have a tendency to wander sometimes. Sheep have a tendency to get themselves in situations where it is strictly and only their fault that they are in that situation. But the job of a shepherd is to go to the places that other people would not go in order to find his sheep. And so I wonder if David, as he's penning these words, has a picture of a God with a shepherd heart who was willing to go to some low places to find you and I. And I I don't think I need to remind some of us in this room that when Jesus found you, you didn't have your life together. It was in the midst of our mess. It was in the midst of brokenness that the king of the universe said, hey, I'm going to call you. I'm coming after you. I think it's oftentimes in our lowest moments that God speaks to clear us. And so David says, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he continues. He says, because of that, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. In John chapter 10, in the New Testament, Jesus comes and he brings even clearer language to this. He says, I am the good shepherd. So I want you to understand something. 
God isn't just a shepherd, he is a good shepherd. And the reason he is a good shepherd is because his heart is for us. And there's a clear promise that if if the good shepherd is for me, my life will lack nothing. I will be in a consistent and constant overflow. Now again, this is like, well, okay, like I heard like scripture, word of God, but like, Harrison, sometimes I feel like I lack. Sometimes I don't feel like my life is in overflow. And what's interesting is we love, I think, the idea of the promises of God. But what happens when the promise of God becomes a problem? And what I mean by that is like, what happens when this scripture is clear in the promise, but my life doesn't look like the promise? But I want us to understand something. Your problems don't block the promises of God. And just because we don't understand what we're going through sometimes, it does not mean that God is not faithful. Because the word of God is very clear from beginning to end that God is a shepherd and he's a shepherd that provides. In the New Testament, Jesus says clearly, he says, look at the birds of the sky, they fly. They don't even know what they're doing. And I care about them. How much more do you think I care about you? He says he dresses the lilies of the field. How much more does God love us? There's promises of provision and comfort and care littered throughout scripture. I want you to understand there is a promise in your life that when Jesus is in us, your life will be filled to the abundant. So what's the issue? Why don't I feel like my life is overflowing sometimes? Why do I feel like I'm in a deficit sometimes? Can I give us a simple answer? I think many times... We don't like the position that God has called us to. What's the position? He's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. Here's our issue. We don't want to be sheep. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't want to be a sheep. (laughs) Y'all remember the song that you used to sing growing up? Like, I just want to be a sheep, ba, 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 ba. You sing it as a kid, and it sounds really nice that there is a God that will provide and care and give us comfort, and we are his sheep. And there's that picture you guys have probably seen somewhere growing up of, like, the, the lamb over his shoulder, and, like, I'm the lamb. I'm so nice. But in actuality, I would argue I don't think a lot of us actually want to be sheep. We just don't. Because... As as great as it sounds that there is a God that will provide all of our needs, that will give us more than we can ever think, dream, or imagine, there is also a pull inside of us that says, I want to do things my way. I want to provide. In the language of our church, one of the things that we always say is that God has given each of us three things. God has given us time, God's given us talents, and God's given us treasures. No matter who you are, every single one of us in this room, we have time, we have talent, and we have treasures. And one of the things that we say is that God has given you these things, and when we give them back to God, God has this way of doing more with them than we could. You may not know this, but nobody on this earth has more time in a day than anyone else. We all have 24 hours. It is the great equalizer. All of us in this room, although it is different, all of us have talents. God has given us something, and all of us have treasures. Now, some of us, especially financially, you might be like, Harrison, like, I don't really think I have as much as like, my neighbor over there. But all of us have things of value. God has left no one empty-handed. You have only what you have by the grace of Jesus. Look what Romans chapter 11 says. It says, for from him and through him. It goes on to say are all things. I'm going to get to the whole sentence in a moment. For from him and through him. Listen, everything that you have is from God. You may think to yourself, Harrison, no, I'm, I'm working hard. I earned it. Your health is only from the Lord. 
you are able to do what you do only by the grace of God. And I think this is the part we miss. But it says, for from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You want to know how we read this sometimes? We read this like, for from him and through him are all things in order to bless me. To my life be the glory and my Instagram be the fame. Come on, somebody. Amen. But everything that we have is from God, through God, but it's also for God. And so I think what happens sometimes is this is where we get stuck. Because I believe the promise of Scripture is true. And I can, I can declare it boldly because it's not my promise, it's his. When we are in him, our life will be in overflow. It just will. But I think what happens sometimes is we begin to live with this deficit mindset. And a deficit mindset says, I never have enough. And because I never have enough, whether it's my time, whether it's my talents or my treasures, I just begin to hoard and I begin to bring it in. And it's just, it's me, it's me, it's me. My time is for me. My talents are for me. Yeah, I have the voice of an angel, but it's for me. Yeah, I got a lot of extra money, but it's for me. I have no job. I have zero, zero commitments, but my time is still mine. It's me, it's me, it's me. And what's interesting is I think that we live in, in, a, in, a, in a country and in a society where we are literally living in one of the most affluent times in world's history. Yet the vast majority of us are living with anxiety and stress. And so many of us have this constant voice in our head that says, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. You see, when the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Another translation says, I shall not want. And what it means to lack nothing is to not desire more than the Lord your shepherd gives you. Because if I never think that I have enough, it doesn't matter what I have, I'll always be in need. And even more than that, if I begin to believe I am the shepherd, I can have what I want, but I'll never have what I need. If you believe in your heart that everything in your life, what you have, it falls on you. It all comes back to you. I'm the provider. I'm the protector. All things. You will live in a constant deficit. And you'll never have enough. Because look what he says. I want to show you this. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Verse 2, he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path. So I want us to see the implication. And I told you that the metaphor of the shepherd is so rich. But the implication is twofold. Number one, the shepherd, Jesus, will actually guide you. When you invite him into your life, he will actually guide you. That's a promise. How does, the, how, does, how does God guide me, pastor? I need some direction. Clearest way ever through his word. Get into the Bible. If, if you want to know, Harrison, I am stuck. How do I treat my neighbors? How do I, how do I, how do I treat my coworkers? What's my, what's my next step? Get into the word. And I promise you, when you get into the word, something happens, the word gets into you. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to see that I have direction in my life. I know what's next in my life. Church, listen, when we come here, we're actually believing that the Lord is speaking to us. And one of the most comforting things for me when I open my mouth to speak is that I know that the Holy Spirit has this way of sometimes, like, you're not even hearing what I'm saying because the Holy Spirit's depositing something inside of you. And so one of the ways that God gives us direction is actually to be in the room, to be in these spaces, and so you need not underestimate how powerful it is for you to be here today because God wants to deposit something into your spirit. Jesus actually wants to lead us. But here's the second implication. We have to understand this. It says, he makes me lie down. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. Here's the implication. You don't know where to go. 
I need us to believe this today. You don't know where to go. You don't know the next step. You don't know the proper step to take. I need a good shepherd that is willing to guide me, to show me what is next. God, where do you have me to go in this next season? You see, I think the, the beauty of where God wants to lead us is there's a promise on the other end. Green pastures, quiet waters. How many of us right now in the season that we're in, it's like, I could use some quiet time. I could use some quiet waters, some green pastures. And when it comes to rest and the rest that God wants to give us, I think so many of us have a warped picture of what it looks like. Can I tell you something? You may not like this, but the way to find rest for your souls isn't actually to nap more. The way to find rest for your soul sometimes is not to do less. You guys really aren't going to like this one. The way to refresh your soul sometimes is not a self-care Saturday. Sometimes it's just to say, Jesus, I need your way, not my way. And what you're going to see is that his way quite often, I find, contradicts my way and oftentimes the way that people say will help me. Look what he says in Matthew 16. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This should kind of throw our brain into like a somersault. Because it's like, what, what does that even mean, Jesus? This is Jesus who says it. What he's saying, he's saying, if you want to find your life, the answer isn't in you doing more. It's not in you trusting in yourself more. It's not another podcast. It's not another book. It's not another group. It's to come to me because I am the one that will lead you to green pastures. I am the one that will refresh your soul. And so you need to understand this series that we're in right now, this is just the intro, but it's all about generosity. And the reason it's about generosity is you need to understand this. The more your life is about me, the more tired you'll become. The more exhausted you will become. The more unsatisfied you will become. But when you begin to point your life outwards and say, my life isn't about me, but it's about other people, you'll begin to see something crazy happen. You might actually be a little bit more busy with your time, but you actually have more rest in your soul. You may actually begin to give a little bit more financially and the bank account might actually have less, yet you feel like you have more. You see, the sheep just thinks me, 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 more, more, more. But the shepherd says, follow me and I'll show you the way. I'll show you the way. And I want you to understand as we enter into this season, the posture for our hearts is generosity. generosity, And the call is an irrational call of generosity. It's to go above and beyond. And on December 18th, we do the, 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 the treasures aspect, the financial aspect. And I'll talk about finances in this series. But there are many other ways to give. We can give of our time. We can give of our talents. You, you want to know something? if you're not giving right now, especially of what God has put inside of you, you want to know what the church is missing? You. The church is missing you. Because, like, I love the worship team up here today. They were amazing. You know what they were missing if you can sing? You. If you can play an instrument? You. Yeah, come on, yeah, come on. You can, you can. They're missing you. I, I want you to understand something. In kids' ministry right now, there are people that are sharing the gospel of Jesus with little kids, some who have never heard of Jesus before, and you are actually the face that is representing Jesus. And guess what? If you have even a semblance of knowing who Jesus is, maybe what kids' ministry is missing is you. It's you. I could, I could go through every team in the church, but what I know for certain is that if we're not given of ourselves, they're missing you. I say this all the time. There's no off season in the kingdom of heaven. 
because the devil don't sleep. And so we're committed to build God's kingdom week in and week out. And the way that we do it is through people that have selfishly said, it's not about me. It's not about me. One of the things I love about having a building is that this building now has markers of the selflessness of people. Every single time I walk in here, you guys see the welcome home mural? Every single time I just think of Lori on that lift, a little bit nervous because it's kind of high and just painting and saying, man, like God has given me this gift, but this gift isn't just for me. That coffee bar, if you've seen all the slats, like I saw Chase putting every slat in one because it's like God has given me this gift, but it's not for me. It's not for me. Listen, church, what, the, what we're missing right now is you. And maybe you're on our team already, but there's something that you've been kind of holding back because you're like, this is, just, this is just mine. Give it to Jesus and just watch what he'll do. Because it's a promise. He says, if you want to save your life, listen, if you, if you want to hoard, if you want to build, like I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to stock up my talents, my time, my treasure, you'll actually lose. You'll actually lose. And so listen, Super simple. I want to give you an action step, especially for those of you guys that don't serve. Uh, this Wednesday night, fast track at the church, 7 o'clock. You're like, what's fast track? It's growth track, but faster. Can you believe it? So you ain't got to wait four weeks. You can come on a Wednesday night. You can come hang out with, like, me. Like, where else would you want to be on a Wednesday? Uh, and you can hear all about the vision for our church. And maybe we can unlock exactly what God wants you to do. That's this Wednesday night. For those of us, listen, like money is really hard. It's like, I just hear something. I just, I can't give. I just, it's mine. It's mine. Like, I, I, I just, it's mine. Listen, the offering's coming. That's, that's a very tangible thing. But I want you to understand that God doesn't actually build his church through spontaneous giving. It's through faithful giving. And one of the things that we have in this church is people that faithfully give. That say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give because God has given so much to me. And there's a principle. I'll probably talk about it in depth later. It's called a tithe. And what a tithe is, is to say, God, here is the first 10% of my income. It's yours. And it's a principle and it's a practice that actually builds our faith. Because what we do every single time we get is we say, God, I'm going to posture myself to say, this is yours, not mine. Some of us are sitting here today saying, Harrison, how could I, how could I ever give money and that would give me peace? Because like, I don't feel like that's just weird. Look at this. Again, verse 3, he says, He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. You can't miss this last part. It's really important. Jesus guides you. Because sometimes we read it and we say, like, Jesus guides us because he loves us and he's just he's so for you. And um, Listen, Jesus does love you. He is for you. But above all, the reason he is faithful to you is not because he loves you. The reason that when he makes a promise, you can take his promise to the bank is not because he loves you so much and just cannot let you down. It is because he is faithful to his name. He is faithful to himself. The Bible says that when God, when we are faithless, God is faithful. Then Paul says very specifically, he says, for God cannot deny himself. What that means is this, God cannot break a promise. Because that is ingrained in his nature is his faithfulness. And so here's where I'm going with all of it. When he says, lose your life and you will find it. When he says, it's better to give than it is to receive. When he says, follow me and I will lead you to quiet and still waters. Guess what? Here's the good news. Follow him and it is a guarantee you can take to the bank. Why? Not because he's faithful to you, but because he's faithful to his own name. It's in his character. It's in his DNA. God cannot deny himself. And so I can tell you boldly that if your life is about you, if it's inward focused, you will never find peace. But when you begin to lay it down, when you begin to give it up, God does more. And the promise is a promise that I don't have to be confident in because that's not my promise. It's his promise, and I'm confident in he who made it. And I just love, and I, I, didn't, I didn't say it, but this is actually my favorite season of the year. And, and for those of you guys that have been involved in the year-end series, you will know just how amazing it is. We do this thing where, like, we literally take the offering. Like, we come up and we give the offering. And God just done crazy things. 
and there are moments where faith is built, and, and they build my faith. And, and some of my favorite moments in, in those things, because a tithe is like a set amount, right? It's 10%. I'll teach on it in a few weeks. But an offering is literally just to say, God, what, what are you calling me to give? There's no amount. It's just literally you and the Holy Spirit. And the coolest thing is that God just calls people in our church to give. But what's been cool that I've seen, at least personally, because I'm privy to some stuff sometimes, is like college students giving thousands of dollars. And I'm like, where do these guys even get thousands of dollars? And I wonder if, like, for some people, they literally have emptied their bank accounts just to give to the offering. And the coolest part is we're, we're sitting in the fruits of people's generosity. But one of the things I know, whether it's a young adult giving thousands of dollars or a family that's, that's giving when they don't feel like they can give, is that we're four years in and no one's ever asked for a refund. <laughs> Side note, you ain't getting a refund, but... <laughs> because I believe that when God calls us to give, it's, it's not actually even for anyone. Like, people are blessed, but it's for us. It builds our faith. I've told this story before, but it bears repeating. When we started the church, I quit my job in order to start this place. And one of the very first things that God called us to do, um, it was in the spring, it was in tax season, and we got our tax return back. And Christy and I just felt like the Lord told us to give to the church right when I quit my job. So it was kind of like a weird time because like I was about to have no money, and then God says, give money. And so we gave, and up until that point, I had never given an offering in my life. I'd only given the tithe. And I'm going to speak next week, but if you give tithe, you're not generous. You're just obedient. Um, but it was the first time in my life, like, I was actually, um, you guys like that one? Come back. Um, <laughs> it was, like, the first time in my life I was, like, truly, like, I'm, I'm going to give above and beyond. And that was before we started the church. And I shared in growth track, and I'm going to share it here today. Since we've started this church, I've never, not once, ever lost sleep about finances. I've never worried about money when it comes to our church. And I believe the reason why was because God showed me and needed me to give before we even started so I would know who is in control. And it's not me. It's him. It's for his namesake. It's for his namesake. And the byproduct, listen to this, of following Jesus is always peace. It's always peace. And so he continues He says, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So you need to understand this. When I follow Jesus, I can live in the overflow, but that doesn't mean that there won't be darkness sometimes. I can follow Jesus. That doesn't mean there isn't hard seasons. That doesn't mean there aren't times where, like, Harrison, I wish, I just wish I didn't have to go through what I'm going through right now. I don't want to go through this sickness. I don't want to go through this financial hardship. I don't want to go through this end of a relationship. But here's the thing. The promise of the life of overflow is not that my life will be free from darkness, but it is the promise that the good shepherd will walk through the darkness with me. And so I want you to understand something. For those of us that feel like we are stuck right now, like Harrison, like I, I want to I give, I want to just be, I want to get out of myself, but like I'm afraid for the future. I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of what will happen if I step out. You need to understand this. There is a promise that the shepherd will walk through the dark valleys with you. He's with you. Listen, your future isn't clear. I don't know what's next. I don't know what it looks like a year from now, but I do know the one that will walk through it with you. And his word is secure. His word is true. And look what he says. I love this part. He says, uh, I fear no evil for you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is a beautiful promise. Because like the shepherd, because sometimes people think like shepherds, sheep, like kind of like soft. Listen, shepherds are gangster. Like read about David's life. That guy took his rod and he fought lions, he fought bears to protect his sheep. And so here is the promise. You need to understand this. In the dark valleys, God is protecting us with his rod and his staff. Maybe he didn't realize this, and, and for a lot of us, we will never even know. Because we just see the times where like, there's something overt in front of us, and it feels like, where are you, God? Most of us have no clue the times when the, when the Lord literally took the rod to the enemy's face on your behalf to protect you. 
You have no clue what God did in those dark valleys sometimes. But the promise is that he is with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. They protect us. And here's the thing, they guide us. They guide us. It's to get us back on the path. Here's what you need to understand about the dark valleys in your life. Some of the valleys we do not choose. Sometimes the battle chooses us. But if we're being truly honest, y'all know this, a lot of the dark times in our life are the result of our own bad choices. Can we be honest? Like I just, I'm here because of, uh, I brought myself here. And so sometimes what the good shepherd needs to do is he needs to guide us back onto the path. And sometimes he doesn't use his hand, he uses his rod. Like sometimes it's painful when God brings us back on the path because we've gone off it, we've veered off it. We talked about forgiveness. Forgiveness is painful, but sometimes that's how we get out of the valleys, right? Repentance can be hard, but sometimes it is a repentance of sin. It is God letting us know, I'm going back to untangling emotions. Sometimes guilt's a good thing. It's a gift from God to let us know we've fallen off the path. Your rod and your staff, they bring me back onto the straight and narrow. And you need to understand this. My job as a pastor and the leaders in our church, we're under shepherds. Jesus is the good shepherd. I'm an under shepherd. Your leader of your small group, your team leader, they're under shepherds. And you need to understand, as an under shepherd, my job as the pastor is not to always rub your fur. Sometimes I need to get the rod and I need to put us back in line with the scripture, with where God is calling us to go. And so in this series, what I want to do is I want to push us in faith. And it's not because I want anyone to fail. It's because I want you to experience what overflow looks like. Because I truly believe that when I follow Jesus, that's what my life looks like. He says in verse 5, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, shout it out, overflows. Listen to this. You prepare in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes God is doing work in your life in the midst of your hard times. We're asking God, please, Jesus, just get rid of this. Just fix this. Make this go away. Listen, to follow God is to say, I can have peace in the presence of my problems. In the presence of my problems. God prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Listen, the devil, in our hard times, in our low seasons, you know what he wants us to do? He wants us to give up. He wants us to implode. He wants us to curse God. But I want you to understand, sometimes what the enemy meant for evil, when we don't give up, God uses it for good, for the saving of many lives. I can have peace in the presence of my problems. I don't know what 2023 holds, but I do know there's going to be some battles. I know for a lot of us, 2022 didn't look how you thought it would look. 2023 may not look how you want it to look. Nothing is guaranteed. But the one who wants to walk through there with us, his promises are good. And so as we do this offering, I call it a faith posture. Because we're posturing ourselves to say, Jesus, I'm going to give to you. Believe in that you can do more with this than I can. And I can't even explain it. That's kind of what supernatural is, but there is a peace that follows it. Last year, if you guys uh, were part of our church, we called our, our, our year-end offering Building Blocks. It was our Building Blocks offering. And uh, that offering helped us to be able to build this church that we now are in. And um, I know for a lot of you that you've you know, found a home in now. And it was funny when we took that offering, like, again, much like this year, it's a faith offering, just to say, God, we're putting our trust in you, putting our trust in you. And I think, you know, we knew that, like, the economy was not in a great spot. Um, but, like, when we started our building project, I don't think we would know that we would build this church in, like, the midst of record inflation. Um, young people, I'm going to teach you what inflation is really quickly. Um, it just means... Listen up, class. Um, it means everything's more expensive in the very short uh, lesson for you guys. Welcome to my TED Talk. Um, and so when we built 
this church, we built it literally in the midst of record inflation. And so that meant that like everything that you see in this place, beautiful, but more expensive than it needed to be. The chairs that you are sitting in, this is a, this is a tragedy. The month before I bought them, the price doubled, like literally doubled. I was like, can I get like the January price? He's like, nope. But one of the things that we did, because again, we, we don't know what the future holds, but back in December, we made a commitment to say, Jesus, we're giving this to you. Here's the tangible sacrifice. And what happened is that I believe God was able to give us two things. Number one, peace. He was able to give us peace to, to push forward, to, to keep going, to not give up. But the second thing that God did is that literally people continued to give, not just in that offering, but throughout the year. And you need to understand, we built this church in cash. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying. We didn't borrow a dime. We built it with our own money, literally because people decided to be generous and continue to give, to continue to go above and beyond. We owe zero debt on this place. And so now this building is what it was always supposed to be, strictly and simply a place where people can come and experience Jesus. And I know there are people since we have started this place that have been finding hope in Jesus. And it is only because we have seen the faithfulness of God. And so I want us to understand when I say, like, God, in a year where you've done so much, like, what do you want to do? God says more. I want to do more. We haven't seen anything yet. There are still people that I know are going to find hope in this place. But one of the things that we want to do for the rest of this month and we do it every December because God has been so good to us. We want to posture ourselves in generosity. And so for the rest of this month, you need to understand, before we take the offering, we're just going to give. Come on, somebody, we're just going to give. And so I want you to understand, we have a thing here called the Generosity Project. And the whole heart of the Generosity Project is to say, God, you have given, so now I want to give. And so what we do every single December is we partner with different places and just say, how can we support you? How can we help you out? So I want you guys to understand a couple things that we're doing. Um, this month, this month, we're going to be able to feed 25 families who could not afford meals themselves in the next couple of weeks. Um, and actually, this is all December 11th. On December 11th, we are also going to be wrapping and, and making gifts for incarcerated parents to give to their kids. And so for both of these things, December 11th, we need your help because we're going to put all these things together. It's going to happen right after church. It's in two weeks. And so I want to encourage you, let's be generous. That's all, all we're asking for you is to give of your time. And guess what? We're not even done there. Uh, little Santas, we're partnering with them. This is single parents, just Christmas gifts. We're just going to help them, partner with them. And then on December 18th, um, we have an outreach. So we're going to go downtown and we're going to give out food, water bottles, probably not water bottles because cold, maybe hot chocolate, um, and clothing, things like that. Again, after church right here, and just tangible ways to be generous. And on top of that, um, I've been praying. And I don't, I'm, I'm just, this is week one. Hopefully by like week two, week three, I'll have a distinct answer for you. But we're giving away more than just that because God has given us so much. And I'm just going to say it in faith because I've just been thinking about this week, but um, we bought a curtain for the church and that curtain back there, you can't see it because it's pitch black, but it helps with the sound. Um, really good, but it costs like four grand, which I think is just ridiculous. And so um, I don't know what it's going to be for, but we're going to give four grand to someone or something. Because I ain't going to buy a curtain for four grand and not give someone in need $4,000. So we just, and that's one of the things that we do when we budget is we just have money to give away to say we're not going to just keep it all in-house. Like, yes, there are needs. Yes, we, we need that curtain. Otherwise, it's a big echo in here. But we want to be generous. That's the posture of our church. And so for this entire month, I want to encourage you, partner with us and be generous. As we take this offering in four weeks, we do it so in 2023, whatever the needs are that God has for us, we can step up. We don't need to wait for other people. We'll be the church. We'll be the church. In Psalm 23, I'm closing now, so Kim, you can come up here. In verse 6, he says, 
Surely, your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so I want you to understand something. This, this psalm is just is rooted and is filled with promises. And the promise is when I follow the good shepherd, when I turn out, when I turn from being inward and I begin to focus outward, he says, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I want you to understand something because I know for a lot of us, 2022 was a year where you felt like you were chasing. Like I was just, I was trying to find more. I was trying to be more. I was looking for hope. I was looking for happiness. I was looking for peace. And Harrison, I didn't find any of those things. I didn't find it in a relationship. I didn't find it in work. I didn't find it in money. I, I just, I didn't find it anywhere. Here's a promise for the weary soul. Jesus is who you are looking for. And when he is in my life, I want you to understand this. I don't need to chase goodness. Goodness chases me. I said goodness chases me. And I can, I can, I can tell you this and, and talk to people in this, in this place, in the hard times, in, in the low seasons, in the times where I don't even know how I got up out of bed. I had this weird thing where I just felt peace. I had this, this, this weird feeling like something was behind me, something was in front of me, something was for me. That was, that was Jesus. And this is a promise that goodness will chase us. And in this next season of generosity, listen, we're going to get out in front of some things. And we are going to give to people. We are going to give to organizations. We're going to give to people in need because our cup overflows. At Kingdom Church, our cup overflows. And so we're going to go and give because we got. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can we stand for a second, church? I just want to pray. And if there's someone here today and you just feel like, like Harrison, I just need, like, I need that shepherd. Like, I've been, I've been going my way, doing my thing, and it's not, it's not leading me to where I want to go. If that's you today, could you just, every head bowed, every eye closed, could you just raise your hands? I would just love to pray for you. Jesus, your word and your promises are true. And so, God, for those of us that need hope, that need a protector, that need a comforter, that need peace, Jesus, I just pray that in this season, God, we find the peace that we're looking for, which is you. And so, Lord, over this next number of weeks, over this series, God, I just pray that you do immeasurably and abundantly more in our lives. God, make a way in our hearts. And Lord, open the doors for generosity to flow. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and your holy name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, take care.